North Dakota After Dark, now recording After Dark. And Corey, would you like to give yourself a round of applause for making it to episode 10? It's a Christmas miracle. Episode 10, <laughs> we did it. Double did digits. It. How exciting. People said uh, we would never make it. They'd say <laughs> we would fall apart. But we could make it because we're heart to heart. That's like right. It. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, would you like to also quote song lyrics? Ooh. Um, well, I mean, he's got me on that one now because we can build this thing together. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop us now. That's such a great song, though. That's a good one, just period. So if we had to license bumper music, I feel like that would be the one. Oof. Such a good song. It's really, really a good one. They, um, and I only know this because um, for being sometimes being a degenerate gambler pays off um, Starship that sings that. It, that that's correct, right? I'm not totally correct. pulling. Okay. Uh, they were recently at Shooting Star Casino like a year ago, and I wasn't able to go, but I was very sad. And I, I, I don't know. Okay, so they've got Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, but they've got one more banger. Um, is it um, We Built the City on Rock and Roll? Is that them? Same song. It's got to be them too. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, you know what? Missed opportunity. You know, I, I could have, uh, as as close as Monoman could have seen Starship and yeah. I blew it. Yeah. You, you know, here, here's my weird piece of 80s, tri 80s trivia. Whenever I think of Starship, I think of the song uh, Make Me Lose Control by Eric uh, Carmen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know what I'm talking though. about, which, which, oh, it's a total thing. Don't, no way. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I happen to have friends over this weekend, and one of my friends, uh, to save her embarrassment, I won't use her name, um, but she, when she gets together, she brings her own speaker, and then she DJs her own little party wherever she goes. And I love it, that. It was 80s night, so there was Ooh. Starship, there was Eric Carmen, there was uh, the Footloose soundtrack, uh, all, all, all the greats. Did you dance or sing to the Footloose soundtrack? Uh, both, thank you. I could envision your neighbor being playing the John Lithgow role and getting you to stop dancing. Well, he was invited, uh, but he didn't come over that evening. He was coming back from being gone all weekend, and I, 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 he had to move a, uh, a deer stand, so oh, yeah. our deer hut, and he had a lot of work on his hands, looked pretty tired. So I said, you know, come over if you'd like. But now he brought up, a wonderful idea for a segment that uh episode 11 since we got through 10 i'm going to start it's Corey reviews a terrible beer oh i love that by, idea. by special request of mr fabian uh so each week i will be bringing and drinking what i consider to be a terrible beer and i'll give you a review of it tell you how bad it is tell you where it ranks on the natty daddy scale and uh we'll go from there so and i I want you to do Mick Golden because I want to know what your beef is with it. Yeah, I'm like, gonna be refreshing yeah. for you. <laughs> Episode eleven. <laughs> it's too easy to, to drink. Yeah, and uh, if anyone doesn't know, we'll start with Episode eleven, uh, Mick Crapla, and uh, <laughs> I'll let you know why it sucks uh, as live as I taste it. But you know, we have socials, so if you want to have me review a god awful beer. Uh, any beer that's suggested, I will purchase that beer and I will review it. I okay, think I'm here for this. It's a good time to call either Tom Montgomery or Hal Gershman and get them one of their fine establishments to throw, you know, some of those $2 beers our way. 
there, there's a fair amount of terrible beer, most yeah. of them being IPAs, but you know, we'll, we'll work through this. Yeah. Uh, I was recently in Des Moines, Iowa, and I went to a shitty bar and had three beers, one for my wife, which is purple, and then two bush lights. And our bill was $10.12. What? Yeah. Wow. Right? Des Moines is a wonderful place. D- for that reason alone. Yeah. Friends here this weekend who are from Des Moines. And uh, they brought with them, at me being an avid baseball fan, they stopped at the Field of Dreams for a tournament for their son. And they brought me a numbered bottle of Field of Dreams whiskey. That's really nice. Ooh. It's not, it's, like it's not North Dakota nice, though. It's Des Moines nice. Des Moines nice, yeah. which is a whole different thing. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure you are aware of our neighbor, Shane. I brought him a um, come and go koozie Ooh. that I've yet to give to him. Lovely. Yes, and I brought this for Andrea. Vibe. <laughs> did, you, did you caught a vibe? Caught a vibe. I caught a vibe yeah. at Come and Go somewhere in Iowa. <laughs> uh, Speaking this, of this vibes, cool. when I'm vibing on um, construction services, do you know who I think of? Who do you think of, Kyle? Andrees Construction. That is a vibe in the construction industry. Andrees is making that vibe. And he's bringing that construction vibe to Kyle's life. You know, as they like to say, they're building something here. And I think if you have a business, and if you're considering some construction services, you should call Andre's Construction. I agree. I think they're the only firm in town that actually has a phone. (laughs) I think that makes them hella easy to get in touch with. Shots a fun guy. If you want to finish your uh, commercial construction project with ease better call andrews like ryman that. and Steelin, not bases because <laughs> i've seen you run but ryman yeah. and Steelin. well i'm not shane fast but you know shane the same guy that could beat all three of his sons in a foot race yes yeah that's the guy, <laughs> that speaking, guy. Of, speaking of segments when we finally get video that's going to be our first live feed uh, speaking of live feeds and segments, we, we've got some opportunities here because uh, I spent a good portion of my Saturday uh, running my tailgate for the uh, local uh, college football games. And I was gift, and by gift, I mean I stole uh, a koozie with a magnet in it. That's the oh. magnet now sticks to things while you want to set your magnet here or your koozie or your beer koozie magnet. Wonderful little gift that I took. That is a heck, heck of a deal. I think so. But you can always record some uh, some podcasts live from a tailgate. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Lots of things, uh, which I'm behind. <laughs> I also, um, you know, I had the opportunity today. I went to Rumors for a solo lunch because I got ditched by Joe Miedema, also a baseball guy. Um, <laughs> and by ditched, I mean I called him with uh, two minutes to spare, and he was unable to make it for lunch. So I consider that yeah. a major social faux pas. I did happen yeah. to win $10. And with that $10, I walked by uh, the antique store, just in case I found something good. And... I did not. Oh. But there is a podcast studio there where you can rent with a nice video setup. So one day. Uh-huh. So we one can maybe. We do a rotation. Two people at the mics, one person at Rumors. You get five at Rumors. Perfect. And you got to go in for two segments of 10 minutes. Rumors for five. You could, we get a heck of a deal going there. We could coordinate that with bingo, bingo time. Oh, that would sure. be ideal. Yeah. Is that how you won the $10 was bingo? Bingo, yeah. Single line, four corners, what are uh, we talking about? Blackout bingo, 
on 066. And you won 10 bucks on a blackout single? It, it's lunchtime bingo. Uh, 62 numbers or less is 300. I almost put it back into pull tabs. And I, I went, uh, I'm on an Ofer streak on pull tabs. Spanning three different states. That. Yeah. Did you get any 80-year-old digits? Like when you when you um, picking up on you, Kyle? Put picking up the vibe you're putting down. No, uh, no <laughs> vibe. Uh, uh, no, none. Wow, none. I have a bad feeling. Uh, your your spouse is going to have to edit the last 15 minutes of. Uh, we might be the greatest Grand Forks, North Dakota podcast that uh, talks about their business model for the first 15 minutes of a podcast. <laughs> It's nice to have a little, like uh, a soft lead in, as it were. Well, you know that, Corey, the soft oh. lead in, right? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. That was edited in. I, I was, was going to say, Amanda's yelling at you for that one, but You're not it, was pretty good. it was pretty kind good. of worth it. Um, yep, worth it. To circle things back around to hockey, I spent the uh, last couple of days on the phone trying to get a uh, help some guys find a goalie for a tournament, only to have them decide at the end of uh, <laughs> said run that, oh, they're just going to stick with the other guy they know. Uh, no, goalie guys try and stick together, but it's also cutthroat. Yeah, that is true. Just vicious. What's the and, age and we're talking here? 11, 12. Oh, you know, I had to put that in perspective. Yeah. Tough. But tough it does build. start. It does start around that time. You're not yeah. wrong. No. Um, and I think, I think the fallacy here is I think if I'm, there's the uh, young man that is in my class at UND, who is also a hockey coach, um, seems to be a pretty bright young guy. And said the kid that I found is about to be a, he, he's, he's found his stride as a goalie, as it were. And I think the the naysayers probably missed an opportunity to have a good goalie step in and play for him. So we'll see. Hopefully that's a, a the kid gets a little karmic bump out of being on the team for four hours, then off the team. You know what I mean? Well, here, here you go, Kyle. Here's my all too reasonable take about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is a losing an opportunity is a wonderful time to engage yourself with not losing opportunities. And it's something that more parents should remind their children, if there's an opportunity you wanted and you didn't get that, it's not the end of the world, right? If yeah. it if it burns, let it burn. You know, let it motivate you to do something that you really wanted to do. So now someone really wants you that player for whatever skills you bring to the game. So there you go. If it burns, let it burn and let these things motivate you. Don't let them be a distraction. As a young man, I often saw posters very similar to that where, you know, if it burns, see a doctor. But I like your ending better. Which Kyle, is also burns, the antibiotics. Yeah. Kyle, if it burns, it, let it burn uh, may mean something different to you than it does a lot of other people. It, it does It does 100%. And I think that's an ideal segue to introduce tonight's guest, one Jamie Spurley. Jamie, I thank you for joining clearly, the show. It clearly says James on his... That is true. Uh, I, this is the hill I will die on. I will not refer to him as James. Uh, for the rest of this thing, he's James to me. Perfect. Jamie. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Kyle. We appreciate <laughs> We're you keeping joining it us. Uh, yeah. Jamie uh, is a true renaissance man. Jamie is a cameraman on a well-received 
youth hockey uh, broadcast. Jamie is a medical professional. Jamie is a good golfer. Jamie's a golf coach. Jamie is a hell of a cook. And I'm sure some other stuff. Jamie, you want to toot your own horn or is that Corey's deal? <laughs> that, that's enough, Kyle. I think uh, the, I think that it's you're making me blush. Okay. <laughs> well, Jamie, we appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, one of the reasons um, I talked to Jamie about coming on is we had um, in the past a couple of real interesting conversations with Jamie about, um, you know, the the overall point of youth sports. Uh, Jamie, as I mentioned, is also a golf coach, brings an interesting perspective. So I think we have a number of uh, things to discuss with Jamie. And Jamie wants to do a, wants to ask us some questions. Uh, I'm always flattered to hear my own voice and to answer questions and <laughs> with the verbose style that has made me popular uh, up and down one side of Desiree. And I'm eager to get to that. But Jamie, um, to start off with a bit of a departure from hockey, you do some coaching in the realm of golf. Uh, individual type of sport, a lot different than say hockey where um, you know the rest of us are involved. Could you tell us about, you know, I guess compare and contrast your observations as a hockey parent, uh, as someone involved uh, you know, with your son playing hockey versus uh, golf and how you approach that and, and where we might intersect? Sure, um, big fan of the show with the three of you. Well, naturally, right? Yes, I look forward every every Monday nights to, uh, you know, hear the next podcast, you know, that and Game of Thrones. I'm trying to figure out which one is more, you're like more excited for, right? Where would you, Mr. James Spurley, would you say when you listen to us, you catch a vibe? I do. I get it. Yeah. I do. And you I... In order to get it, I think you uh, you have to you have to relate to what you guys are talking about. You guys do a nice job, so. And I, I do consider myself a Lannister because of some of the interfamily attractions I've been able to cultivate over <laughs> uh, the course of my family reunion. So I think there's a lot of interplay there. Kyle, also a Lannister. Well, no, okay, sorry, Targaryen. I'm a Targaryen, so. Sure. But also fans of the interfamily dating, so you know, kind of the same thing. Yeah, wonderful, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just checked off seven jokes I can't now say that all are Spicer <laughs> in your family relationship because I saw Tommy this weekend at tailgate and he's a lovely man and I'm just not going to do that to him. Yeah, no, no, no. Listen, Corey, we're res Kyle and I are respectable. We only date our cousins. Okay, all that's right. Uh, yeah, that's way better. <laughs> way better. Jamie, <laughs> golf. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they're, they're golf, yeah, yeah, they're completely different sports. <laughs> one thing, you know, um, you know, and I hope we get a chance to touch on it tonight too. Is just, uh, um, and you guys have touched on it a few episodes past about just kind of that um, the mental um, grind that some of these kids, especially these eleven-year-olds, put themselves through from a hockey standpoint, and as Corey knows in baseball. The mental side of baseball for these kids is just almost excruciating to watch sometimes. Um, golf is the same thing. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, it was my maiden voyage, so to speak, you know, as the coach. Um, I had a good partner with it, uh, which helped. But um, the biggest thing is, is motivation. Um, it's uh, positive attitudes. As you know, golf is... Uh, 
one of the more frustrating sports out there. It's, it can be incredibly rewarding, but on the same hand, it could be just, just, you know, drives you crazy from the inside out. But it's interesting, right? You can go hit, you know, 99 horrible shots and your last shot happens to be the best shot ever. And you're, you know, already lining up your next tee time for the next day. So, you know, the, the mental side of it is probably the biggest thing. There's not a lot you can do from, um, you know, I'm not going to break down a, a 16 year old girl's, um, you know, golf swing, trying to change it from a two plane to a one plane swing, you know, in a month, especially when we have weather in North Dakota, like we do. So um, a lot of it just has to do to, you know, learning the game, the approach of the game, the mental side of the game, you know, a little bit of intestinal fortitude, you know, some of those types of characteristics that, um, you know, the more seasoned, the more uh, successful, you know, regardless if it's a golfer or what kind of athlete might possess as far as from a mental standpoint. And now, you know, obviously I'll let everybody else ask questions too, but do you, um, on the mental side of things, do you fall into the, you know, two positive, two positives and a negative when you're teaching the kids, or do you have like a, a rule of thumb you try and use to reinforce some of those good habits? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to um, <clears throat> celebrate the successes, you know, um, when they're there and sometimes they're far and few between, you know, Corey knows as a baseball coach um, and I've talked about it when I coach baseball in the past to 10 and 11 year olds is that um, you have to realize you're going to fail more often than you succeed. I mean, if you think about it, you're going to go to the hall of fame. If you fail seven out of 10 times, that's a crazy statistic. What do you think about, you know, those types of, of, um, you know, comparing to statistics and those people that are successful and just trying to really hammer home those positives, trying to build on things, something each week, set small goals, maybe setting larger goals at the beginning of the season, you know, small goals that are maybe easily attainable, um, you know, those types of interactions and conversations with it and try not to fill their heads with too much information, right? I mean, there's only so much you can do in a short period of time. You don't want to give them, you know, information overload because pretty soon they don't know what they're doing. And they look like, uh, you know, Kevin Costner from Tin Cup. So. Which is my very next question. Corey, what are your top three golf movies? Uh, uh, okay. Happy Gilmore. I was going to say, if it didn't crack the top three, we could end our friendship immediately. Yeah. Like, uh, Happy Gilmore is number one. I'm going reverse order. Um, uh, there are other golf movies. Tim Cup. That was one of the a good movie. Kevin Cad Costner. If you count Caddyshack, I'm in. Right There's my three. I absolutely count Caddyshack. I have wholeheartedly seen all three of those movies. I love it. <laughs> I have seen them for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I have a question. I hate to, to, to derail your, your three questions, but uh, I have two questions for Mr. James Burley. Um, Mr. James, uh, as a golf coach, uh, being a guy who's played an awful lot of golf in his life, how do you coach that game without drinking beer? Because I've been led to believe you can't be on a golf course unless you're drinking beer. How is that possible? Sure. Well, once a, first of all, Corey, um, beer at a high school event is, is frowned upon. <laughs> I've been told. <laughs> yes. Second of all, it is a Catholic school. So that is even probably, well, <laughs> It might be celebrated celebrated behind doors. Who knows, Kelly? I'll I'll maybe you know turn that. I was over. gonna say Catholics that you know 
they might claim that, but they've they've been known to to have a few beers, Catholics that I know. Can you take communion on a whole by whole basis? Is that allowed? <laughs> communion wine, you know, if you could incorporate that in. There's got to right. be some Moga David hidden in someone's golf cart. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Not at my country club, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I would be allowed to frequent. Okay, Kyle, I, I got you. <laughs> but it would probably be night train. You know, something pretty highbrow like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Second question. I have to make up a real golf question. Uh, I played golf, haven't I? Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I thought you were gonna filibuster us for a second there. I was trying my best to. Yeah. Corey, would this be a good opportunity for you to tell the uh your golf story that we cut you off from two episodes ago? I would love to. However, I've completely forgotten which golf story that was okay. at this point in time. So, and if you I remember. 90% of my stories are completely made up. So you get to choose the 10% you enjoy. <laughs> the fun game to guess which ones are true. Yeah, that feels pretty fair. Um, I like that. I think let's use this uh, this pause and segue to ask Jamie, what, if anything, Jamie, are you drinking tonight? You know, because the it was a little cold, cool this morning. It kind of woke up and it was yep. like, it had a nice little bite to it. And it kind of got me just into that, you know, falls right around the corner. So I'm going with a scotch tonight. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> so it usually, you know, you get the little, you know, tingly nose, toes start to get a little nice and warm and stuff. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful sleep when you, when it's cool, cold outside. So that's what I'm going with tonight. Hey, good for you. Very I can't choose that. Kelly? For questions or what I'm drinking? What 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 you're drinking? I know, but I'm just trying to uh, circle the wagon so Jamie can hear too. Well, I'm okay, so it's red wine, but it's it's a it's like a red blend. So it's basically alcoholic grape juice. So okay. we're still keeping it bougie because I live in Riverside, so we can't get that fancy or I will be asked to leave. Um, uh, so a little red wine, but also, you know, that's a little fall, fall for me. I'm yeah. normally a white wine kind of a gal. So I, I went to also with the with the fall spirit. So, um, yeah, it, I like uh, it. Yeah, and, and I, it was a good choice for the evening. I, I, I heartily agree. Corey? <laughs> uh, well, I, I haven't started drinking which is a sad indictment on my day. My wife is, <laughs> is going to bring me something to drink shortly, uh, but I spent the what better a part- wife. Uh, you know, she's the better of us by far and no one's ever argued with me about that. Um, I spent the better part of my evening hiding in the laundry room, pretending to do laundry while my wife tried to help my oldest son with his advanced geometry homework because there's no way I was going to figure out that stuff. <laughs> so uh, she, now she's going to bring me a glass of wine just to further cement I'm an awful, awful person. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Jamie, I'm sorry I made fun of your scotch. It wasn't making fun so much as I have a flashback uh, on my 24th birthday. A bunch of uh, dickheads I played hockey with gave me a bunch of scotch shots. Um, I got a three into it. Ooh. And I tried to make moves on a gal with so much eye makeup that if I close my eyes and try and picture her, all I can picture is the eye makeup. Like, like this was nine. 1999 and I was like did the eye makeup look like uh Mimi from the Drew Carey show That's it kind of did but I was so into it and then I had the fourth shot and I got a little mad fifth shot I'm like fuck you guys and I walked 
seven miles home, past a biker bar, tried to get in a fight, and they just laughed at me. And kept walking, <laughs> tried to buy a slice of pizza. I was 15 cents short, and the guy wouldn't give me the money, wouldn't give me the pizza. And then I kept walking. All in Virginia. No. Yeah. I was worried there, Kyle, for a second that you were gonna say you were looking for a date at the biker bar, but I'm glad we just were looking for a fight at the back biker bar. I well, like it. Nothing Mr. was working. Mr. James, you're here for a momentous occasion. Uh, this is episode 10 of North Code After Dark, and yeah. Kyle has officially broken the seal on the first F-bomb of the podcast. Congratulations. Nice. Did I really? Oh, come on. That's it. I'm Number sure one. It wasn't me. Are you sure it wasn't Kelly? Well, I was I mean, going to say, this is, I, I'm, this is an accomplishment. I, I tell you what, nobody would have believed it, not even my mom. So I feel real bad. I feel like I stole something from Kelly. No, uh-uh. You allowed me... I I... I just surpassed expectations. Okay. Wonder, That's, uh, now, but now that the seals broke, fuck yeah. it. Let her go. Okay. Now we're doing <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. That's two. So. <laughs> Precedent set, Kyle. Precedent set. Um, if, you're, if you're following along at home right now, I recommend you take a long drink of whatever you're drinking just to celebrate this moment with uh, with us and to, oh. to understand that it can only be downhill from here. My flagrant use of the F word is the reason why I will never teach elementary education and why it probably wouldn't be advised that I coach kids. Um, because another frowned upon thing is muttering under your breath, are you fucking kidding me? 17,000 times. So I, I steer clear of that. All right. I, I, I take that up to the stands where it is um, celebrated and only frowned upon by like, you know the respectable people yeah it's so. the love language of mom island right right, right. yeah I, i'm trying to decide if i was happier watching my son score his first touchdown in football hit his first home run or to know that we now have the explicit tag on our podcast love it all heartwarming moment all milestones uh this is now not germane in the slightest, but I'm having another whiskey soda lime. And um, one of the other things Jamie and I have in common, I forgot to include this in Jamie's list of uh, accomplishments, also um, a professor at the University of North Dakota. Uh, I'm an adjunct there. And I use the MFR on Tuesday in class. I got a lot of gasps and then a laugh. So worth it. You know what I mean? That would have been me. I would have been the student that would have been like, oh, holy shit, he just said it. Okay. Yeah, he used a racially charged <laughs> anecdote and then dropped an MFR and then it's like, oh, wait, that's pretty funny. You a just, lot of, you a just lot related of to 90% of them, Kyle. I really did. And it's not so much a class, it's sort of like 45 minutes of Kyle's open mic time, you know? Kyle, a lot of laughs and a gasp. Sounds like the last time you visited a nude beach. <laughs> Corey, I deserve that one. I'm just going to take a drink and let that one slide. Yeah, let it simmer. <laughs> let it simmer. Let, let it simmer, simmer Kyle. Um, well, Jamie, do you feel like we've adequately covered golf for you? Uh, and then some. Yeah, okay. I mean, we're great. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I don't think we have. I was going to okay. ask Mr. James, how do I be good at golf? Yeah, I know. Me too. Like. I also want to be good at golf, but am not good at golf. Oh, and sure. also, uh, rider to that question, I don't want to work hard at it at all. I just want to be good. So what I would do is go buy some clubs, Corey. Mm -hmm. 
you know, buy, you know, a 12 pack of beer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. put the clubs away and drink the 12 pack of beer. God, you're a genius. Yes. I'm in. I'm in. That's less, less frustrating. It is sure. less frustrating. It now is a mind, like I said, it is an absolute mind frustrating game that just eats you from the inside out. You're, you know, when you get hooked on it, it's, it's a bad disease. I don't recommend it for anybody because it's not, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things that you'll wake up and you'll think about your golf game from the night before or this and that. And it's it just, it can be frustrating. It's less enjoyable than it should be sometimes. <laughs> so but you had nailed it too, Jamie, is that the, the weird thing about golf though is, I, I mean, and I'm terrible at golf. I, I like, I, I really do try, but you, you nailed it completely when you said you can seriously screw up the entire time, but hit one good shot. And you're thinking about the next time that you're going to play golf. Like I, that's the bizarre thing about golf is that normally anything that I'm not bad at I would just be like well that was that was the last time I'm ever doing that again and but it all it just golf also is an addicting sport very addicting yeah. uh, it, it can be a drug that's for sure if Kyle, just to let you know Kelly I am a little disappointed in you for bowing out of our scramble team this year golf team oh this year God. not a, no offense to Kyle because you're a lovely addition However, okay. probably not as lovely as Mrs. Moreland. So, um, so Kelly, you do, you know, I do, I am still a little bit bothered by that. Fun fact about how good Jamie is at golf. Um, I resigned from my spot at my dead dad's tournament <laughs> because my husband preferred to have Jamie and Eric Fabian on his team. And then he was like, well, you can, you can be the fourth. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. They're really good. That I, that would be humiliating beyond as, because Jamie and Eric are also incredibly nice humans. So I'd be out there duffing it, throwing my clubs, screaming the F word at the top of my lungs. They'd be like, oh, good job. Just, you know, try do it like this next time. And I... I don't know that I could even take that kind of kindness um, as I embarrassed the team. So I just focused a lot on drinking that day. And that was a really good move for me. But Matt's, um, Matt's often disappointed in my lack of athleticness. Um, so it's just, it's, you know, I understood. He, he had to do better for himself. Ellie, come join the dark side. You can be on my team. I was once kicked off a golf course for, uh, uh, standing on top of the golf cart to find my ball, uh, having a seat, having a uh, Bose sound dock playing ACDC at full blast while wearing a backward hat, a or a baseball glove as my golf club, game jeans, and I teed off with my softball bat. Corey, that's more exactly what I'm looking for. Um, Good time. That, and also, I don't believe you're playing golf unless you are lying through your freaking teeth. You know, like, I'm not going to tell you what I got at that, how many strokes it was on that. I am going to just say exactly what I feel like saying, and then I'm going to mark it on the card. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Because if you don't cheat, you don't want to win bad enough. Is there, in fact, rules <laughs> in golf? Turns out there are. Huh. Yeah. Crazy. Did not yeah. know. Um, a little piece of trivia on episode 10 is we have now had every member of that 
tournament foursome as a guest on the show. That is true. That is true. Wow. And and the jilted wife as well. That um, like I said, my unathletic nature disappoints Matt continually. And every time our children do something unathletic, he'll go, Oh, there's your mom. There she is. And I'm like, That's fire. Thanks, honey. That's really sweet. Yes. That's very sweet. I feel like you were trying to pay back our our scramble team a little bit with the certain phone calls and or texts that you were sending. Um, <laughs> yeah, husband. Listen, which, I'm frankly, sent a bit to a tizzy for about three or four holes, but you know, this is now. I guess we have gone into the R-rated you know version of this podcast. So I, you know, it's up to you, Kelly. I know how to fluster Matt's golf game, okay, and it's easily done. And, um. I did. It was a vindictive move on my part. I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, I, I did purposefully try to wreck that a little bit, but it's, I, again, I'm not athletic, so I have to play the cards that I can play. All right. That's just um, remember there was collateral damage with, with said, you know, vindiction. So we, <laughs> the rest of us had to pay for that too. So I was just trying to get Matt booted. He booted me off the team. I wanted you guys to boot him off the team. I wanted you to be like, you know what, Matt? You're not that good at this sport. Maybe next time, buddy. We're probably going to look around. We're going to shop around. That that transitions me to a great question for Mr. James about golf. Uh, the things they called iron, irons, do they, in <laughs> fact, hit farther than other ones you pick out? I mean, is there any difference between these things? Because I pull them out and they all hit about the same. You just skull it 20 feet in the ground and walk to the next 20 feet, grab another one, walk 20 feet, dig some out of the ground, slam your ball in the ground, find a tree. What are the difference between all these irons? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's your woods, your irons, your putter. And quite frankly, the putter is the most frustrating, you know, club in my bag as far as, um, and that was a testament to tonight's little escapade with, um, Oh, by the way, Kelly, your your husband backed out at the last moment for our little golf date tonight and stuff, but it was enjoyable. I know, so. I know. that's I'm single mom in it tonight because he uh, unfortunately decided to be helpful at work. And as always happens, when you try to be helpful at work, you are punished for it. So um, he uh, he was he was uh, singing the blues. He's actually still there. So I think he's regretting the uh, the backing out of the golf deal so he don't worry he's being punished for no no good deed goes unpunished and matt's feeling that how did golf turn out though you know um so i i know this may be a shocker to you but eric fabian might be a competitive gentleman <laughs> just a little just a little just a little and um you know, our our kids feed off of that competitiveness between the two of us. And so it doesn't matter where we're at. First thing I get home, it's not how my day is. It's, did you beat Eric tonight? <laughs> and, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time last week, or the, I think two weeks ago, I, I happened to beat Eric. Um, and so I gloated with that. I rode that, you know, rode that horse a little while. Um, and unfortunately, it came to an abrupt end tonight. Um, and the look of scorn on my son's face when I told him <laughs> that I lost tonight to Eric, he just said to me, he goes, he basically said, you need to do better next time and walks away. Dead man, <laughs> dead face, just. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that he was going to bed and I didn't want to send him, you know, you never want to send your bed kid to bed in tears. So. <laughs> 
hey, he just wanted the opportunity, you know, I mean, it's uh, fair, turnabout's fair play. So uh, he just, you know what, though, you're, you're right. It's, it's things. Uh, that is why also when, when Kyle and I have been able to beat Matt and Eric in lawn darts, I have said it feels so good to gloat. They are athletic people who are not used to losing at competitions. So it feels better beating them when you can. It really Absolutely. does. Yeah, it's been a long time since I beat them. And, um, you know, I, I certainly threw a, a couple of barbs out there, which I'm sure, you know, um, landed with a, probably a thud. So, <laughs> you know, I'm I've, proud of you. I've challenged both Matt and Eric to uh, a wrestling match since they like to play these crazy sports like uh, hockey that obviously I have no talent for. Uh, they haven't taken me up on it. I feel like I would lose miserably even knowing that I wrestled and they didn't. But I, the, I'm throwing the challenge out there for both of them. There you go. Do it. I want to see this. Yeah. I, yeah. We could, yeah. There's a significant chance I get hurt. And not <laughs> hurt mildly, hurt very badly. <laughs> but I'm willing to do that for the team. All it right. seems like a good pay-per-view event. Yeah. yeah I don't, yes, it does. I don't, know, I don't know that it would last very long, much like most of Kyle's experiences. But, you know, I would throw it out there. <laughs> Damn just uh I'm, I'm reaping what i have sown now you know what i mean oh that's okay um it does provide an opportunity for a little segue one of the other things i want to talk to jamie about uh was sort of a rehash of some of the conversations we've had before essentially around the lines of um and i think jamie touched on a bit which is you know the how much is too much that you know what what to do in the summer um is there a good line to be drawn who should set the tone just sort of that general type of conversation um just see where that goes jamie do you want to uh briefly rehash some of your thoughts on that yeah i think that um no i really enjoyed you guys' podcast and, and you know not only just kind of opining on some of these topics as far as you know what's too much and i i i I really like, I think, Kelly, you had a take of regarding, you know, um, kids doing so much in the summertime, you know, um, regarding, you know, hockey camps, this hockey camps, that. And um, I, I, I think you guys are really on to something, you know, with that. And it's, it's, it's what are you trying to create? And you look at like most of the successful athletes out there, you look at Michael Jordan, the guy played professional baseball. You know, you look at um, a lot of these other, you know, Wayne Gretzky, baseball player, you know, there's a really good um, documentary on his upbringing and stuff as far as his dad making him play other sports. And Corey, you've said that, and I think you, have, I have, you and I have talked about this, is create an athlete. <laughs> that, looks, that looks pretty good, Corey. You know, create a, create, you know, I think you use the adage, he's a dude. You know, a guy that just can go out there and play, whether he's playing baseball, football, hockey, et cetera, and creating athletes. And I think that until they get past adolescence, I think multi-sport is the way to go. I think being really careful with um, specialization at a young age um, can be probably be more detrimental than it can be helpful. I agree 100%. I mean, it's the, the it, it's pretty much the reason you send your child to school, right? So I, everyone has these continuing arguments. You have these arguments with your kid. I'm never going to use that again. This isn't going to be something I need, right? It, they might be right, 
it's not that that isn't a good argument from a, from a child. It's that they're forgetting the reason that they're in school in the first place. It's not to learn how to graph functions, right? That's not what you're learning ultimately. What you're doing is you're learning to learn, right? And how, how does that learning process happen organically? And what's my ability and my framework for learning something new? And when you put a child into a position where they have to learn something new, then you, you create that environment. And that environment of learning something new teaches them things. So let's say you've got that athlete that's the pre-puberty athlete that's struggling uh, you know, against the mountain of kids that are much bigger than them, or they have challenges uh, compared to the next kid. Well, how do they battle? How do they compete? Right. That's going to learning how to compete and how to battle is worth more than your child succeeding. Right. Maybe they don't, maybe they aren't the best player on their team, but, but do you learn how to battle? You learn how to compete. You got something there because that's, that's a skill that sports should be teaching you for the rest of your life. So I think Jamie, you nailed that right on the head. Welcome back from our technical difficulties. We are a hundred percent totally re-recording this on the exact same night when the technical difficulties occurred. <laughs> no pause has happened nothing has changed so we will let our esteemed guest jamie or james spurley and kelly Moreland pick up their conversation on how much is too much summer training for kids in the summer kelly do you remember you kind of did, kind of talking about how you didn't see a, a, a ton of difference between those kids that maybe uh, skated all year long and stuff like that versus sure. the people that, you know, kind of maybe took some months off and stuff. I thought that was a good point that you made. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, I, I, if you would have been in that tournament that, that when, when my oldest got back out there, um, it would have been a genuine challenge to pick out the kids that had skated all summer versus the kids that had taken the summer off. It was, there was just no significant jump. So I, and I, I do believe that, you know, as they do get older, that that probably will make a difference. I just think that we're maybe pushing a little too hard at young ages. Um, uh, believing that this, this, I guess pre-puberty work is going to do so much difference. You know, I, uh, Scott Nicola, um, whose son plays with all of our sons, he put it in a really good way. And it was, um, testosterone changes the whole game. And I thought, yeah, he, that's, that's a really, really good point. So I just think that sometimes we push a little too hard, um, and, and in the meantime, what you might actually be doing is not making any significant change in your kid, but you could be burning them out on how much they enjoy playing. Well, I think that, yeah, hundred percent. I, th I think that we talked about this before, Corey, you might alluded to it before in this podcast, just about the, you know, those kids that have be, just become athletes, or as you like to refer to them as dudes, you know, that are just, you know, just extremely athletic you know, naturally, but also just building upon that. And just like we talked about the importance of playing other sports, um, you know, and then there, then there's just go play. I mean, look at a game of tag that the boys will even play in, in the yard or something like that. They're doing everything they're you, everything in just a simple game of tag in the yard that they probably would at a, you know, $30 per night, you know, sports acceleration type of, you know, experience or camp or whatever you want to whatever the terminology you want to put behind it and they don't know they're doing it they have no idea they're doing it 
And I think, Crelly, you're like, uh, I was talking to Matt, and he said he did some dry land with some of the boys, um, Jet included, and I think a few other older kids and stuff like that. And Josh was asking me, and or I asked Matt kind of what some of the things he was doing and he was describing and stuff. And even he said, uh, he finishes it up with running up a hill. And Josh asked me the other day, this uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, my son just said, you know, you know, how can you get faster, stronger and stuff like that? I said, do you want to really know the answer? And I said, run up a hill. Yeah. Run up hills. You look at like the, the, you know, the athleticism that takes it, the muscles that you're building in that it's almost, you know, if you look at someone like Connor McDavid, his stride and stuff like that, where he gets that knee so far over that skate, you look at running up a hill that's like exactly what you're looking for in a, in almost in a skating stride. It, it was, in, it was really interesting that how Matt just keeps it simple with those types of, you know, exercises for boys at this stage. Well, I, I find that good kids develop skills that uh, compensate for their physical deficiencies, right? So if you've got a kid who's out there who wants to learn something, if they have some sort of physical deficiency where they're maybe not as fast or not as strong or they don't shoot as hard or any of those different uh, things that we might look at is the longer they play and the more their good attitude shows they're actually going to compensate for that by developing skills that complement the skills they have just like a natural selection thing you figure out what you can do like uh, you know all of our kids play in a sort of a, a fall three on three thing uh, I ran a couple of the skates and there is a, uh, you know, their first and second year peewees there. There's a second year peewee uh, who is, who's all of a sudden man size over the summer um, and just can physically dominate everybody. And then there's another young man that we know that's, you know, not real fleet of foot. And they both ended that game up with four goals because the one kid that's not fleet of foot just parks himself where the puck's going to go and gets rid of it quick. It's, he's found a way to contribute even though he's not super fast and hundred percent match the, the kid out there who's by far the dominant athlete in that group. So very good point, Corey, because you can see it happening in real time with the kids that can figure out how, how, where, where does my skill set allow me to make a contribution to this game? I'm, I'm looking for the time code and the recording in this thing. So I can, I can denote for the liner notes, Kyle complimented Corey at 1843 Someone write that down. Yeah. It's all about striking a balance, as they say, you know? Yeah, yeah. Corey, you you, did, you hit the nail on the head with that one. I mean, because you figure, like, so, for example, I don't, you, you never talk about your high school days or anything like that of sports and stuff, right? Well, I do. But, <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I remember playing basketball, and I wasn't exactly one of those um, tall people, so to speak. But you had to figure it out. You had to figure out, okay, how do you how are you going to play defense against bigger players? How are you going to do it? And you want to know something? Kids these days, they can figure it out in a hurry. And I remember, Kyle, you said one time about, and hopefully none of the baseball people get mad. Sorry, Corey. You said a good baseball practice sometimes. Go watch an MLB game and then go outside and do that with your friends. There's not enough. We've talked about it before. There's not enough kids who watch sports anymore. You know, the, um, oh, Kyle, you sent along a banger uh, of a, a note that was on Twitter where uh, this, the, I might be killing some of the other, uh, some stuff down the road, but the increase in skill development is taking away from overall uh, sports sense or hockey sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was a heck of a note that you sent on. It's true because the, the focus on, 
you know, the shooting from different angles and the, the toe drag at, used properly to shoot off of or different skills like that. Kids are becoming more and more skilled. They can pull off, you know, at younger and younger ages, you're seeing the Michigan, but you're also seeing these same kids who uh, can't make passes, can't read defenders and can't be deceptive in space using their teammates. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it's real stark contrast. You can tell even at, at a real real young age sometimes now the kids that play together and what what they work on. Uh, my youngest played on a team, sort of filled in with a team this past weekend. Some West Fargo kids that play together again, no no real standouts of the bunch, but they're 2015s and, and a couple 2016s that pass to each other. And despite uh, again some of the despite the talent gap did. They finished two and two just because they could have some basic hockey sense. So it's a, it's a bigger deal than, than one might think at first blush. So Kyle, you know, some of the guys or some of the pro athletes, they'll talk about that magical thousand hours per year kind of thing. That's what you need to be an elite person or elite athlete in whatever sport that you choose. What do you think? What is that age? I think it's context based, based on the kid, based on where they where they hit their stride and mentally want to do it. Because otherwise it's just being forced upon them. And then as we all know, with you know, some of us with teenagers and others with about to be teenagers, unless they think it's their idea, it's not going to uh, be a smooth ride. It's a micro, teaching kids that is a microcosm for a good marriage. It better be your spouse's idea or it probably isn't a good one. Well, I think too, anything, I mean, like, anything that you put too much pressure on, it automatically zaps the joy out of it. And there there are kids that can handle pressure immensely well. And then there are kids that it just sucks all the joy out of it for them. So I think there are a lot of kids, I think you make a good point that at that high school level, you have to watch how hard you're pushing because they may have all the skill in the world, but if it's the mental part of the game, that they just find exhausting, they're going to just be done with it. You know, I mean, it, I think that we, we really, really put a pressure on kids in sports right now at really young ages to know what they want to do, to know where they want to go with it. Um, and it's, that's a really big pressure to put on anybody, you know? Um, and, and I think you're right. I think that each kid is different, so it's hard. Um, but it ultimately, uh, we, we can really turn it into a job and not, fun. and I think a lot of parents are doing that where their, their kid legitimately feels like they're, it's a job that they're fulfilling when they get out on the ice. Kelly, really nice, uh, really nice, reasonable answer. And I think we'll have to cut it there because we're uh, ready for our next show. If you are listening to this, there'll be another brief pause and this conversation will pick up in the past. So it's a real good time travel episode. Thanks, We're Jamie. We're in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie, for joining us again. And we'll thank you again in about 45 minutes on the original broadcast. Uh, where were we, as they say? So Kelly was just uh, just chiming in on her thoughts on uh, being battle tough and learning how to compete. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing no. like cold just drilling her right back to a point that happened 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Well, no. And so what I was going to touch on was just that I had been thinking about that. Um, 
and kind of what brought me to it was um so as we know I'm a North Ender forever, North Side Pride forever. And um uh I my son with starting middle school, I have gotten some very mixed reactions from people about him attending the North End Middle School and very, you know, like, oh, oh, oh you know, like concerned and stuff. And so it just, you know, got me thinking and I've, and everybody's heart's in the right place, but it's just, it, it, it got me thinking not just with middle school, but with sports and everything is just this, this level of the generation of parents that we're a part of, of trying to like control the simulation and what, what that's going to do for our kids. Um, you know, I, I also reason, you know, that every generation parents their kids differently and we change with the times, but it, I, I'm very interested to see what is going to become of gen a generation of parents that believes that like you can control all situations that your child is going to meet every step of the way, which is pretty unrealistic and wasn't going to happen, but also the, the downfall in that, what you're taking away from kids, you know, sometimes fl falling flat on your face has a lot of value to it. Sometimes, going through difficult things, not sometimes, always going through difficult things typically brings you out, you know, better, stronger version of yourself. And so I don't know, I, that's, it's just, you know, it's a worry that I have, especially, you know, when it comes to sports and everything like that is just in trying to create a situation where our kids never fail the consequence of that and how that is not probably going to be beneficial. But it's very hard to avoid in this generation. Like I, even when I'll like judge it, I'll see myself playing into it, you know? So yeah. I, I always just wonder, you know, like, especially with other parents of, you know, the worry behind that and um, just the negative consequence that might come, come of that for our kids in trying to control all of their situations. And I think you guys touched on that in one of the episode previous episodes. I think Eric mentioned, you know, we don't have a helicopter parents. We have lawnmower parents, you know, mm. completely taking out all of the obstacles in front of our kids. Yeah. And how do they get any sort of, you know, learn anything when they don't, like you said, Kelly, they don't fail. You right. know, we don't allow them to fail. And maybe. No. Or build any character, you right. know, I mean, like we're, I don't know, like we're almost afraid of letting that happen, you know, where it's like, Oh no no no! Here, stop stop stop! Because I don't want that to happen. And let me re, you know, move the the chess pieces on the board the board for you. I don't know. I just I it's it's just something as a parent. Um, like I said, you know, in all in all ways, it just kind of makes me wonder what we're robbing these kids of. You know, like and and like I said, that's not a judgment because I'm guilty of it as well. But just um, uh, the danger in not allowing them to have genuine experiences. Well, you, you think about that too. Like we, and I think you guys have done a really nice job of this podcast of kind of illustrating some of those things, but you know, we'll send our kids to a thousand different hockey camps, baseball things, or et cetera, et cetera. How much time do we actually spend on the mental side of sports and life? You know, how come there isn't, you know, coaches and parents aren't doing more of those things, you know, whether it's, um, 
you know, talk about things like goal setting, you know, whether it's long-term goals, short-term goals, or, you know, managing emotions, you know, how to deal with failure, how to deal with successes. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, those are some skills that I certainly think that are lacking, you know, or certainly can be built upon, you know, in my kids, but, you know, and I see it with other kids as well, just that mental side of sports and life that just, I think that parents and coaches need to do a better job of with that. I think one of the considerations here, given the age of, of the kids that we're talking about, and, you know, keep in mind, if you're listening, this is probably a, a moving target based on age a little bit is, um, not being a, a helicopter parent, but wanting to help as much as you can and wanting to impart all those lessons is trying to remember that they are little guys and trying to go, you know, maybe one lesson at a time. Um, you know, Jacques Lemaire, the old, you know, wild and Montreal, uh, wild coach and former Montreal Canadian used to say he would never tell, this is professional players, more than three things at a time. Because once you get to four, number one's gone. You know, so I think if you adjust that for, for kids this age is, you know, the one, one lesson at a time and be cognizant of the fact that they might not retain it anyway. So, you know, even, even with all of our best intentions to try and impart these lessons, there's a chance it might, uh, you might have to do it 10 or 15 times before it sticks because to steal a line from, from Ted Lasso, just, you know, they're, while they're not encouraged to be goldfish, they're still goldfish. Those memories aren't, uh, the retention there is not, not super impressive at this age. Right. I mean, it's uh, the best advice I could give as a parent who's got kids that have gone beyond the stage is if you want your kids to be good at sports or you, you hope that they enjoy sports, the best thing you can do is to play with them. Just, just play with them. Play the game. You don't have to have rules. You don't have to have a lesson. Just play the game. If you play the game with them, they're going to pick up on the things, the knowledge you have. I don't play hockey, but I would play in knee hockey in the halls with my little kids because it encourages a love for the sport. And if you love something, you're going to develop because you want to. If mom and dad are just out there telling you, you got to go to this camp, you got to do this, you got to do that. And they're driving and pushing. That's when the kids get to burn out. But if, if there's a natural love for something, they're going to want to do it. I mean, the biggest dad win I've had in the last um, 10 years was having beating the you have to play music uh, to my kids. And then all of a sudden, one of my kids deciding oh, they're going to learn to play a song they've always wanted to learn. You know, it was like the greatest moment. I was like, I am the greatest dad ever. And then <laughs> I was like, wait a second. No, he's just learning to play because he wants to impress his girlfriend. Dang it. <laughs> Still not you, Corey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd done something right. And for once I could say, Jess, I'm a good parent. I'm almost as good as you. <laughs> and then it was like, I had nothing to do with this. Dang. Yeah. Re reasonable takes by Corey. Mm. What is uh, that? And while I, uh, I always hate to cut the podcast short, uh, given our technical snafu, I'd want to give Jamie the chance to get his little... Uh, his his questions slash pet project into the show. Jamie, if you're ready to go, I think we're ready for you. Okay. So I ran into Kelly at a football practice and we were talking about- Was she hurt? Uh, what's that? Was she hurt? No, no, she wasn't. <laughs> he just dad jokes the hell out of that. Love it. <laughs> Love Hi, it. Hungry, I'm dad. Nice to meet you. Well done. Well done, <laughs> Thank Kyle. you. Sorry, Jamie. And, oh, see, uh, sorry. 
it, we were, I was talking about, I think we were talking about um, Kelly and Kyle, you know, once again, you kind of, you, you did the introduction, you know, trying to, you know, pump me up probably way higher than what I should be. I, and uh, I thank you for that. But, well, there's no uh, sincerity, but you're welcome. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I was saying to Kelly, I was saying, I, I think that your, your like hockey knowledge and sports knowledge is really underplayed. I think you're slow playing that Kyle. And like I said to Kelly, it's kind of like the really hot chick who wears like baggy clothes all the time and stuff. And I feel like you really haven't showcased a lot of that knowledge. So I'd like to try to test some of that knowledge. With sure. you. Like an eighties movie. If I take my my glasses off and take my ponytail out, all of a sudden I go from a seven to a 10. Right. You know, it's like Hugo's when right. you go to Hugo's, you know, you're a solid seven. You roll in with the kids. You're creeping in a nine-ish territory, you know? I mean, just... Emphasis on the creeping. Right. <laughs> Wonder bra being like a Christmas present for me, Grandma. The package is nice, but when you open it, you're disappointed. <laughs> oh, well done. All right. You ready, Kyle? I'm ready. Okay. So they, I got some questions for Corey and Kelly, too. Uh oh Okay. Uh -oh. And some of these, you know, we talked about before, you know, like, um, Kyle, some of these are going to be a little bit like elevator speech-ish. So okay, yeah. this might be like, you, and you've given an elevator speech before, right? S several times. Always unsuccessful going from the main floor of the hotel to the fifth floor. And uh, right. I get shot down on, on four usually. Some of these might be like a one floor answer. Some of these might be a five or six kind of floor. So please, you know, go ahead and articulate it yourself. Okay, I'm ready. Right. Kelly, Here's I'm counting on you to carry the team here. Right. Oh. Here's the first question for you, Kyle. Okay. And I, I think, like I said, your hockey knowledge is really underplayed and slow played. So let's see how we go. So Mario Lemieux. Yeah. And Gretzky. Yeah. Mario Lemieux doesn't have the health problems and plays out his career in the length that everyone would think that it would be, is he the greatest ever? I think my answer to that question is this. Had he played in an era where Wayne Gretzky was not already there, health problems or no, I think he becomes, doesn't become, I think he remains a... 1A or 1B to Wayne Gretzky. It's much like, because Gretzky, I would say, somewhat revolutionized the position from an offensive standpoint. I think Lemieux followed behind him. Now, I would say, you could, if you look at it from a different perspective, you could say that Lemieux might be the greatest in, if you start the clock with Lemieux in 84 and run it all the way up to Lindros, I think Lindros is sort of the end result of, of the Lemieux era. But of course, Gretzky starts at say a 79 and had already created that offensive juggernaut center. Now again, different players, um, you know, different body styles, different styles of play, but I, I still go with Gretzky just based on sheer volume of points at, and some of the stuff he was able to do in that, say, that 82 to 88 range. Well done, Kyle. Thank you. Yes. Kelly, I have a question for you. Okay. It's a three-part question, okay? Oh, <laughs> yes, bear, bear with me. So what do you trust more? A Minot referee refereeing the championship game in Minot with Minot team in it, or an East Grand Forks hockey parent who happens to have a really good peewee player who tells you they moved to East Side 
for the weather <laughs> and scenery, or an Adina mom telling you the real and spectacular. Oh, that's a tricky. I, ooh, I. Oh, I'm gonna have to go with the Adina mom. I I mean, and that's that's like the the worst case scenario. Like uh just because the first two that's there there can be no trust in any of those situations. I might be able to play it on an individual basis with a dynamom, but I I having direct experience of the first two, the Minot coach and the Scram Forks. Uh, player parent uh no there's no trust in any of those things whatsoever um it uh it, it's it's just that but that is a tricky one I do like that I like all of those all of those options because it it it, it epitomizes youth hockey as we know it so yeah I'm going with the dynamom just right. because there's you know there's always a there's always somebody that that goes against the green, you know. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Corey, I got a question for you. You know, sports are full of uh, superstitions, right? Uh, you know, Cindy Crosby puts his left uh, skate on first. Um, baseball players don't step on the white line as they're going from the pitcher's mound to the dugout. So, which is the bigger superstition? Not touching the Stanley Cup in fear of jinxing yourself. Or reminding a pitcher that he currently has a no hitter. We don't talk about a streak. <laughs> we do not talk about a streak ever. Um, so, uh, anecdote: one of our players was on a uh, no hitter, and uh, in the it was going to be a game that only lasted six of the seven innings at their age. And going into the sixth inning, uh, I'm standing at the end of the dugout, and a player goes up to the pitcher. Hey, do you know you haven't given up any hits yet? Mm. Oh. And and he was a bench player at the time. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to speak to said player and remind him, we don't talk about the streak. <laughs> so yes. First rule of fight club. We don't, don't talk, talk about, about fight, fight club. club. Or yeah. Bruno for Disney movie aficionados. <laughs> uh, Kyle, I want you to know I have goosebumps right now thinking about not talking about the streak. You just okay. don't talk about the streak. Okay. Right. So you're telling me baseball players are as superstitious as hockey players because hockey players are a a dumb level of superstitious. It um Yeah. I, I do think hockey players might be more superstitious, but not talking about the streak is very important yeah. if you can't tell. It's a not, very important yeah. part. Of the streak. <laughs> Not talking about the streak is so important. Kyle's mom said it to him when she was cleaning his underwear. We don't talk about the streak. We don't talk about it. That's my dead mother, Corey. Just to... <laughs> hey, we all got dead people. <laughs> uh, That's all. Yeah. All right. Ready, Kyle? Ready. Okay. I know this could be probably be four podcasts in length, but try to keep this to a, maybe like a two floor elevator speech here. Okay. Is the, is the portal rooting college hockey? <laughs> two different thoughts on that. Um, because I have a very wide anti-government streak, I would tend to give the benefit of the doubt to the players 
based on giving them the agency to move where and when they see fit to give themselves the best opportunities to become the player that they are capable of being. That said, I also understand the flip side of the argument. The only time I will ever even bat my eyelashes at the thought of or the word social socialism is where it exists in sports in order to maintain a level playing field for two reasons. I don't want to see college hockey become sort of the late 90s NHL where the small market teams were just a de facto farm team for the big clubs with deep pockets, nor do I want to see um, players switch teams, as we said before, anytime things get hard. Geez, coach isn't playing me, I'll just go play somewhere else. Dig in, make the best of the opportunity you're given there. So um, I know that's a non, essentially a non-answer, but I would say if you need to pin me down on something, I would say that while the portal offers some good stuff, it has the potential to disrupt college hockey in a negative way. What are, what are you up to, Corey? <laughs> that, that was a dumb opinion, and I'm dumber from having heard it. Uh, the <laughs> portal is stupid. I like it. <laughs> you, you, did you just get Kyle for being reasonable? I did. I did. You did. That was an incredibly reasonable answer. I know. It was terrible. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, this is one for, uh, this one we'll go for Corey. True or false, Corey? A hockey goalie cannot have black tape on the knob of his stick. On, on the knob? Who cares? God, let's I'm go with false. I'm trying to think if I've seen it. Kyle, do you know? Uh I don't know that that is in fact a rule or not. I have several goalie sticks in the garage with all different colors of knob tape. Really? Really? Well, I found like obscure rule that says that goalies cannot have a the knob of their goalie stick uh, taped in black. It only has to be in white. When wow. you say that, I don't know that I've ever seen it uh, uh, with black tape. I, I, I'm trying to recall and, but goalies are weird. We've established this. They they don't need reasons for their thoughts. They're just weird, but they have to be weird. Right. It's who, why would you want to be that position otherwise? You know, you have to be a little on the 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 different side. Yes. And I know I'm I know I'm hitting a double goalie dad with that. So I, I, I'm the first to say it. You threw Kyle a softy <laughs> like, is the portal dumb? And then you're like, can goalies have black hockey tape on the <laughs> Well, really? he, he's well, Corey, I was going with the black outfit that you have tonight. It's very intimidating. You have the black cap, well, black shirt. It's it's um, you caught me off guard a little bit, to be honest with you. You know, I'm just fading into that sunset riding that horse. Right. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Cash. His Johnny Cash. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe we'll go with Kelly on this one. Who is the biggest D bag? A guy who wears number 69 in beer league and breathes like a crappie on a hot dock between each shifts or the guy that um, is hitting hot 100 shots at his nine-year-old's hockey game. Ooh. Ooh. 
It's tough. I, I'm going to go with the Hot 100 shots because actually the guy, the, the guy with the 69 jersey, he might actually just be a good time. Um, but the dads that make youth sports about them and reliving their life through their kids or like trying to work themselves into that, they're the worst. So, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I, that's, I, considering that when we were at a uh, hockey tournament that we were all at last weekend, I watched a dad after his son scored stand up and flex. <laughs> and I thought, you're the worst. Oh my <laughs> you're the gosh. actual worst. That dad yeah. has spent a lot of money on testosterone. And HGH, oh, it was bad. Too. I thought, I feel bad for your kid. I feel bad for your wife feel bad for all of us that just witnessed that so which yeah. which of his wives do you feel bad for the first second and third <laughs> you know she was definitely second or third I'm yeah. not sure yeah. and the best was his wife too like their their kid scored kid was a good little hockey player so I'm not no no he towards the kid but the kid scores the dad stands up and flexing and the mom just was like dead face <laughs> like all the joy in her life like she just she hated him as much as we did so um yeah the xanax will do that to you over a prolonged period she was not not impressed but nobody was so that was the the good news so yeah definitely definitely the douchiest dads are the ones that uh like god forbid you'd let your kid play without making this a direct reflection of yourself you know living vicariously through their kid right Right, right. So, Kelly, would, would you find the dad flex on a goal to be the same as a dad who celebrates every time the biggest kid from another team destroys uh-huh. his kid? Is is that the same same bad thing? Like, if, if your kid's the little kid and he finds the biggest kid and that big kid destroys your kid and you laugh and celebrate that, is that <laughs> just as bad? No, no, no. Hypothetical question, purely. I was going to say, it's ringing some bells and sounds familiar. Um, No, because I think that that's kind of the opposite. Like, that's a a dad that's allowing his child to, um, like, grow through adversity, you know? (laughs) I like like your point of view. Right, right. So, it's, uh, you're, that, you're, that dad who like i said i feel like i know this dad um he he uh he's allowing his uh his child to you're taking the opposite stance and i i always appreciate that i like a bold opposite stance from from the typical so i like it kyle we had this conversation i think in uh, a friend of ours backyard regarding um uh you know canadians dominance in hockey and how there might be a time frame in the near future where that scale might be tipped towards the u.s talk a little bit about that what's your thoughts and what that maybe time frame is because we've always talked about canada being you know the king of hockey and you know et cetera et cetera but when do you think that well First of all, will it flip and when or when? I think it has the opportunity to flip in a in a time frame, say five to ten years. I think it's a very, very close margin right now. I think that's borne out by a lot of the best on best 
junior competitions, you know, um, say world juniors, world U18s. It's a kind of a coin flip depending on who's going to win year to year, which a lot of that I think is dependent on who has a good birth year. As you know, we've seen that in, even in our kids' age, there's good birth years and, and, and lower birth years. I think the demographics of hockey in the U.S., especially in the Southwest, with that explosion of hockey there, leads to a population situation where it would be tough for Canada to overcome the U.S. should it gain a foothold in hockey because you're not only getting more kids playing, you're getting probably better athletes playing. And Canada will be roughly akin to Minnesota where it's reached a saturation point in terms of players playing. Now, the differences you see now is I think your individual American player is probably better skilled. And I think your Canadian kids by and large play from an earlier age, more of a team game. So if that continues, there could be some back and forth, but again, the sheer numbers of, of the U S hockey playing population, I think will dictate that the, the dominance will shift to the U S sometime in say within a decade. Wow. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I love it. I, you know, it, uh, cause I feel like Canada always gets the, the benefit of the doubt, you know what right. I mean? Like the, and, and even Canadian players sometimes. So I, yeah. I, I love, I love to see it. Um, that shift happening a little bit, but you know, I mean, I think I agree with you on that, that it sheer number wise. And like you said, hockey growing in popularity across the United States, that helps out a lot because it um, just trying to like order, like, hockey merchandise shows you hockey hockey is popular here but it's not it, it that doesn't speak to its popularity across the united states but i feel like you're right that it's growing right um and that's that's you know good to see follow up if we take hockey from canada do they just pack it up and all go back to france i think they'll fight I, I I really do because they're that I think that's the one thing they're not going to go down, you know they're they're not going down without fight. And I, I would I would my caveat to that is having spent a lot of time in Regina, there are a lot of gals that will go down without a fight in Regina. However, however, in geopolitical news, Canada is down to about thirty two thousand active soldiers, so it might not be a long fight. Oh my God. I would Sorry. love to devote this entire podcast to stories of Kyle meeting girls. Like now Amanda may not appreciate that. I would though. I really would. I, every story that leads with, and I met this gal. <laughs> I know it's the beginning of my new favorite story. <laughs> I, uh, I got them stacking up and I think I've been waiting a long time to filter them through your husband. I, I might just have to just tell you direct and accept. Right. I think I, he's out for whiskey Wednesday. I am. I appreciate a good story more. He's, I don't know. I, I just think I, I don't know. I, I, I work you, hard after 10 it. episodes. I think you deserve it. You know? Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank welcome. you. Kyle, what, uh, so, you know, you may have uh, college and uh, hockey at ASU. There's talks about it being in Las Vegas and even into the Los Angeles market. I mean, yeah. how big does this get in that Southwest? Uh, I think it has the potential really to blow up. Once you get, you know, uh, college hockey gets a foothold um, at some of the major 
major West Coast schools, I think you see a flip because a lot of those good California athletes, uh, even in Arizona, are still playing um, in the Western Hockey League, playing major junior in Canada. You make that switch over to college hockey, you attract a few more. Again, going back to your guys' point earlier about making athletes, you attract a few more athletes. And then all of a sudden you're you're really getting somewhere. So it's just tough to compete um, once you get, you know, if you're drawing from a, a player pool, say at any age, given age group of, you know, two or 300 legit prospects. If, if your player pool in the, you know, 2015 born kids, all of a sudden is 600 versus 200, you know, odds are you're going to have a better, not all the time, but because anomalies happen, but just, just looking at the numbers there, you're going to end up with a pretty substantial team. Kyle, I don't know what you just said for the last five minutes. I still haven't recovered from that joke. <laughs> the geopolitical one, Corey? Or the yeah, other one? it was It was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> it really was. I teed it up, and you yeah, hit it right, was... off, right out of the park. It's amazing. You just got to uh, be ready was... when opportunity presents itself. Just like as soon as you cross into Regina, that's what, be ready. Opportunity knocks. <laughs> and sometimes they don't knock. So be ready. <laughs> be ready. That's oh my god sorry guys oh i love it don't ever be sorry i i don't oh, want you to be I'm not. it's just lip service completely <laughs> also <laughs> available I, in to say. Yeah. Oh, I love it i can see it coming and it didn't make it didn't make it any less funny oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful you know what? It's uh, it's 11 after 11. I'm going to wrap it up with a final question. Jamie, really appreciate you coming on. It was a very eclectic conversation. I appreciate the opportunity to answer questions at some point. Um, some point such as now. Uh, this question was posed to me the other day. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Is Friday part of the weekend? Absolutely. It has to be, right? It does yeah. have to be. Otherwise, it would just <laughs> suck. You know, I mean, we're, we already have, uh, you know, we already have Mondays. Something has to cross out, you know, Mondays. So, I, yeah, absolutely, Fridays. But yeah. maybe like uh, afternoon, after 12 p.m. How's yeah. that for okay. a conference? Yeah. And you just do what I do is that once noon hits on Friday, it doesn't matter what's happening at your, your job. You just decide that that's everything past noon on a Friday uh, belongs to Monday. And you just, that's, if you stick with it, you can, you can make that happen. All right? Wise words. Friday yeah. afternoon is future Corey's plan. Screw that. Right. Guy. Yeah. I don't know that person. Like that's, I'm not, I'm not participating. No, thank you. You know, I, what I, what I do like about this podcast is, you know, Corey, when he speaks in third person and I love Kelly's, you know, keeping me up on what's the hat, the Von Dutch. Is that how it is? Von Dutch. I'm yes. Keeping up, keeping up with all the culture information and those types of things. And then Kyle, you know, you, you bring it down into just a, a nice perspective for everybody. So I, I do, I, I do enjoy the, you know, the Brady Bunch uh, screen that we're all looking at right now. <laughs> And uh, your podcast has been fun to listen to. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming. It's Thank really you, Mr. Our, James. Yeah, our pleasure. And I think uh, I think you've set the new standard for how many compliments we deserve from each other. <laughs> yeah. We're, I agree. My husband didn't compliment us nearly this much. Right? And now I'm starting to have feelings about that. 
as yeah. one should. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, thank you everyone for joining us for episode 10. Uh, we're going to renew Corey's contract for another five episodes. <laughs> Winning. Jamie. Winning. Yeah. Please feel free to come back on anytime. We appreciate you sending us uh, story ideas and continue to listen. Oh, no. Don't forget, Jamie, you can partake in uh, the new segment of Corey Reviews a Terrible Beer. Feel free to submit your beer ideas uh, for uh, terrible beers you've had. Right. That, that'll be a good one, too. Along with the old Starbucks versus Caribou coffee you know, debate, which I am now learning very closely that more people on your side than I thought, Corey. Caribou, by far the supreme choice. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. Uh, Jamie, thank you again. Thanks uh, thanks to the listeners, all five or six, but especially <laughs> to Tim Litzinger. Really like... And he, a shout out to Tim too. He was our, he was our third tonight for golf and uh, you know, always enjoyable to have Mr. Litzinger out there for a good time as well, especially since Matt Moreland couldn't uh, come tonight due to um, affairs on the railroad track. So yeah. that's right. Well, Tim Matt Moreland, yeah. not dependable. Tim Litzinger, very dependable. Yeah. That's the takeaway. And despite uh, Tim's hurt feelings over Corey making fun of his outfit uh, on the bench a couple weekends ago, Tim's hey. still a good dude. Tim looks good in the same outfit every day, I guess. <laughs> Although Matt does wear the Birkenstocks. No, it's very versatile Birkenstocks. I mean, we it go is. from a, you know, a frozen sheet of ice to a golf course with very, yeah. very seamlessly as well, too. Well, yep. la lady shoes matches jeans, dresses, skirts, sundresses, you know, it, it goes with anything. They really do. They really Are do. By the end of... Autumn, you will be wearing Birkenstocks and drinking Natty Daddy on the reg. It's coming. It's I coming. disagree. <laughs> well, one one final thank you to our sponsor, Andrews Construction Services. It's andreescs.com. Looking forward to seeing everybody for episode 11. When we'll have a surprise guest. It's such a surprise, I don't even know. Let's shoot for 10 more. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> Let's do another 10 and reconvene. Jamie, thanks again. Appreciate you joining us. Take care, you guys. Good night.